Every time I go to the eye doctor, the optometrist, there's always a lot of pressure because he, he puts you, you have to look in that little machine and he, he flips these switches and he says, okay, which one's clear? The first one or the second one? And I freeze. I go, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm always afraid I'm going to give the wrong answer. I guess there's really not a wrong answer, but there's a lot of pressure. But one of the things that you really like to hear from your eye doctor or optometrist or whatever you call them is, hey, you have 20-20 vision. Now, a lot of us don't hear that. But that's a good thing to hear from your eye doctor, that you have 20-20 vision, which is certainly the standard uh, for physical eyesight. Now, when it comes to spiritual eyesight, the numbers are a little different. Because I think spiritual eyesight is actually 50-20. You think, well, wait a minute. How do you get 50-20? Well, I'll explain. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 50. That's one of the numbers. The story of Joseph. Joseph, the favored son. Joseph, the favorite son of his father and much to the chagrin of his brothers. And so his brothers became so jealous that they one day sold Joseph into slavery and then told his father that Joseph was dead. Well, Joseph ends up in Egypt and he is able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. So he's promoted to a high position in Egypt. But then a famine breaks out. And so Joseph's family is forced to come to Egypt for food. So they come to Egypt. And guess who they see? It's Joseph. And, and he, after a fashion, reveals himself. I am Joseph. And he takes care of his family. But then the father dies. And the brothers have come back to Joseph. And they're not sure, now that the father is dead, if Joseph is going to be so nice to them because of what they did to him. So we pick up this story in Genesis chapter 50 at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. 50-20 vision, chapter 50 and verse 20, where Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving 
of many lives. 50-20 visions is combining our hindsight with God's foresight. You see, God's sight and his horizons are, are far broader than ours. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139, which starts out, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. We hear a lot about looking forward. And indeed, our church's vision is moved beyond. That's what we are to be doing, is we are to always be moving beyond where we are in our relationship to Christ. And to do that, we have to look forward. And so a lot of times, we think looking back is bad. Not always. Not always. And here's one instance. It's okay. When we look back at some tragedy in our life, at some evil that occurred in our life, of some problem in our life, if we look back on it and see how God has turned that into something wonderful, then it's okay. That's, that's that 50-20 vision, combining our hindsight with God's foresight, that God had a bigger plan for what was going on at that time than we could ever see at that time. And how wonderful it is to look back through our lives and to see how God has come through in the clutch time and time and time again. There's a confidence that we have that realizes that no matter what happens, God is still in charge. You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. If you were to ever go to Enterprise, Alabama, you would see what is probably the world's only monument to an insect. That's right. If you look at the town square in Enterprise, Alabama, you will see a monument to the boll weevil. Now, for those of you who may not know what a boll weevil is, I'm from the south. I know all about boll weevils. They destroy cotton. And in 1915, in the southeast, the boll weevil destroyed 60% of the cotton crop in southeastern Alabama. Well, it caused great distress. So the farmers had to come up with something different. They had to diversify their crop. So they tried peanuts. And guess what? Now that area of the country produces more peanuts than any other area. It turned out for the good. So they put a monument up to the boll weevil. And the plaque reads, In profound appreciation for the boll weevil and what it has done to herald prosperity. What was seen at the time as pestilence. The boll weevil destroyed their crop. And then they discovered peanuts. And peanuts didn't just replace the cotton crop. It surpassed it and helped the area to thrive. It's one of those situations where there was evil, there was destruction. But God turned it around. Maybe they should give credit to him instead of the boll weevil, but still. 
God turned it around and turned it into something good. So what about you? Are, are you willing to look at whatever happens in your life and say, I don't understand this right now. But God's got a, such an incredible track record in my life that I know he's going to take this. Something that someone else meant for harm. And he's going to turn it into something good. Or maybe you've never had that. Maybe, maybe there is nothing that you can look back on your life that was bad or evil or destructive or disappointing. Maybe it's never turned around. Turned around. But maybe today we can show you how that can happen in your life. So let's look at some things. There's a, a great passage of Scripture, a couple of them, and I'll just paraphrase them. One's in Romans 8, 28. It talks about God uh, working everything to the good. Uh, to those who, who love him. And, and then there's a passage in Philippians that uh, Paul says, I don't, I don't have the slightest doubt that God is going to work in me and bring to completion that work that he began. It's the idea, as, as Ron Mortoya says, that it's, it's the vision placed within our heart that needs to take precedence over the vision we see with our eyes and the idea that that God is not the author of everything that happens but he is certainly the master of everything that happens and he'll use it and work it for his glory and for our good so the three things I want to talk about actually uh, three things you need to develop uh, in your life you, you you first thing is that you need to become a realistic person when you talk about this 50-20 vision uh, it doesn't mean that you become delusional. It doesn't mean that you are not realistic about your situation. It doesn't mean that you just forget about what happened. So, uh, it, 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 you have to be realistic. Whatever disaster it was happened. Whatever situation you are in now is, is real. But what it does is it takes a hard and realistic look at your failures, your sins, your handicaps, your broken dreams, your damaged emotions, your accidents, your tragedies, your pain, and your suffering. And admit it for what it is. But at the same time, believing that God will use it. Look at it for what it is. Because God wants to help us. God wants to take it and he wants to revise it and to reshape it or to transform it into something wonderful. But we have to recognize it for what it is. That's the beginning of coming to Christ is realizing that we are sinners, for instance. And before Christ can come and transform us, we have to confess that we are sinners. And with everything else in life, it starts with a realization that whatever the situation is, is real. Don't deny it. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. The second thing is we need to become a forgiving person. Not only do we have to be realistic, but we also have to be forgiving. And that's a hard thing for some of us sometimes. 
Because all of us in our lives have had somebody who was a dream killer in our lives. We've had someone who was always our arch nemesis, who was always working against us. You know, in, in our lives, we have all sorts of people and things and situations that were not fair to us. We didn't do anything to deserve them. They did them to us. But if we are really going to develop this 50-20 this vision, this idea of combining our hindsight with God's foresight, if we were really going to do that, we have to have a clean lens. We can't look at it through a lens that's all dirtied with all of these grudges that we hold. We have to forgive. If you are really going to let God do a work through your situation, you have to wipe it clean and forgive the person or whoever it was or the group of people that did whatever they did. I'm sure it was hard for Joseph. I mean, how would you feel if your brothers took you out Took your brand new coat, threw you in a pit, sold you to the first caravan that came along into slavery in Egypt, and didn't care if they ever saw you again, and frankly, didn't care what happened to you. That's hard to forgive. That's hard to forgive. But if we are really going to see how God can work, if we are really going to let God work, we have to quit holding these grudges. We have to forgive. Because see, what happens is if we can't let go of it, we're always going around. Last week we talked about getting even. So we're always going around either trying to get even or we're always going on. It's in the back of our mind. It's, it's always a hindrance to us letting God work in our lives. So we have to be a forgiving person. And then finally we have to be a trusting person. We have to have this kind of daring faith that sees a plan and a purpose even in the most disastrous things that come our way in life. People might call us irrational, but I don't think it's irrational. I mean, if, if, if you've confronted it for what it is, if you've been realistic and if you've been forgiving and, and taken care of, of that part, I, I don't think it's irrational at all that you look at that event and actually ask yourself the question, how is God going to take this and turn it into something absolutely wonderful? You have to trust that God is going to do that. Because God can take the worst materials and build something incredible with it. He can take the ruins of whatever it is in our lives and fashion it into something incredible. He can take something that, that appears to be meaningless and turn it into something that has incredible meaning. He can do that. We have to have that trusting spirit that looks every situation straight in the face and asks the question, I wonder what God is going to do with this today. Now, Sometimes that's really hard. I know people who have worked all their lives to, to build up enough uh, money or savings and investments so that they can retire. Uh, only as they get close to their 
retirement, they've almost lost everything. And so all that they had, had planned for is not going to happen. I, I know people staying in the retirement theme who have worked all their lives and looked forward to retirement. They made all these plans. When I, when I retire, we're going to travel and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and this and this. And they retire and find out a month later that they have some terrible disease. And all their plans are, are out the window. It's those kinds of situations and, and a million other situations like it. And all of us know some kind of situation like that. That we really have to trust God. Because our plans aren't going to do us any good. But we have to trust that this God that we serve has a plan. And that if we will just let him work... He is going to work it in an incredible way. Joseph said, look, you intended this for harm. But God intended it for good. It allows us to look evil straight in the face. Whether that evil is a person or a situation or a disease. And to say to that evil, God has a plan. And you're not going to mess it up. And then have a joy inside of you, knowing that you don't have to work it out. That God has a plan. That God can take whatever mess there is in your life and turn it into something incredible. But first, you have to be honest about it. I'm a sinner. And that covers a multitude of things. You have to be realistic. Then you have to be forgiving. Yeah, they did this to me. But I'm going to forgive them so God can work. And then you have to trust him. Knowing that in the end, he's going to take it and turn it into something absolutely incredible. Let's pray.